Good morning. You're very welcome to, to another episode of The Back of the Stand. It's Mark here, your host. I'm joined by Kevin this morning. How are you? Very good, Mark. How are you keeping? I'm very well. I'm very well. There was a mixed weekend now for me, to be honest. Well, not a mixed weekend. Like Every team I seem to support um, lost at the weekend. But um, I think there's going to be a lot of supporters out there this morning going to be saying the same thing. Um, it was a very, very strange weekend across all sports. Um, like in the, the Cartier action, we had a... A bumper day yesterday and on Saturday, um, where there was probably games from twelve o'clock in the day on until eight o'clock at night, and in the Premier League over the weekend, we just had one of the most extraordinary weekends that we've ever seen. Um, I think probably a good place to start. I think Leeds were probably the only, one of the few teams that came out of the weekend with actually a very very good result. Um, yeah, very very good results in the sense that. Anyone who kind of would have sat down to watch it, the first 20 minutes we could have been four or five nailed down. You kind of thinking, oh, Man City got a right all thumping off Leicester last weekend, and are they coming out here to prove a point and say, look, we are Man City, like, you know, we're, we're not dead and buried, like, you know, we're, we're better than losing 5 2 to Leicester. And you, you kind of were getting worried, I'd say, first 20 minutes. Um, then Sterling got the goal for them, and it just totally seemed to sit back. Um, it was yeah. almost if we, we, we have a goal almost playing like Ireland but not as defensive and we, we went in front okay we've our job done let the game run out now but uh, to be fair to Leeds they're showing the heart that they have the fitness that they have is really showing through this murder ball that we hear about Marcelo Bielsa puts them through and it was actually like a game of murder ball um, on Saturday now for, yeah. like, like the listeners who wouldn't know what murder ball is it's basically the ball doesn't go dead so if you're playing murder ball and the ball goes out over the line it comes straight back in there's no killing time like there's no like dead time in the game so it's just constant and that's the way the game was like um, on Saturday um, it was just look fantastic to watch I'd say from a neutral point of view when you're a fan you're pulling your hair out because tactics go out the window um, and it's just proper entertaining football where it's just bang 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 like you know, both teams really going at it and that's what we want to see yeah absolutely and and like from a Leeds perspective like you would have been thinking against Man City was that a risky way to play against Man City because Man City keep the ball probably better than any team in the Premier League but as you said after 20 minutes it looked like City were going to really hammer the hammer as Tomas O'Shea would say and probably have a very comfortable victory but to be all credit to Leeds they did they did put out a very good result there um, and I think probably in in perspective or in hindsight when you look at some of the other top six or seven clubs how they fared at the weekend Man City are probably looking at it okay considering everything else that happened at the weekend we didn't come out of it too badly really well look it, it was it was good for Leeds to put on a good performance so obviously look the first game of the season um Back in the Premier League after 16 years, we 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 showed a good account of ourselves against Liverpool. Yes, we did lose. Um, bit of a speed bump um, wobble against Fulham. Though we still played fantastic, and then we grinded out the victory against Sheffield United last week. So it was just great to be able to say, look, we can keep this going from week to week. I think certainly playing in the Premier League will suit Leeds in the sense that this is pretty much the same team that played in Championship last year. So they have eight less games in the league. We've exited the Carabao Cup in our first game, so at least that distraction is out of the way. So I think the boys can keep up the fitness levels and really, really go at teams. And I think they're going to frighten teams. A lot of teams will, you'll see now putting five defenders up against Leeds, but I, I don't think that will matter too much. They'll still find ways to get through. 
Yeah, and as you said, like Leeds, they had a great spirit and they're really after kind of showing their um, hard work so far this season. Just how far do you think they can go, Kevin? Like, before the results on Sunday this weekend, I would have said, look, we're aiming for eight or nine, certainly top ten in the league. I think when you actually see the results, you can already see who's going down this season. But if the season keeps going on the way it has this weekend, certainly Leeds will be looking at fifth or sixth getting one of the Europa League or the Europa Conference spots or even look at that dare I say Champions League but look that's still a, a bit off but um, if we can keep up the intensity that we're playing with um, the tactics look if everyone can stay fit there's no reason why Leeds can't be aiming for Champions League um, come the end of the season yeah, and like as you said, when you look at the other results at the weekend, it, it's definitely all to play for. Like, who would have predicted that Everton would be the form side so far this season? Like, they're after winning all their games. Dominic Calvert Lewin is having a flyer of of a season so far. Now, I heard Ancelotti speaking on Saturday, and he he said obviously they're not going to be able to keep that run of form going through the whole season. But like, I suppose to speak more broadly for a second before we speak about the other games. Could we see a situation this year like what we had in 2016 when Leicester won the league out of nowhere? Are we going to have another season like that? Well, I still think what happened last night with Liverpool, I think that is a an isolated incident, let's call it that. I think Liverpool will certainly be up there. I think it's Liverpool's title to lose. Um, but like when you look at the, the top of the table this morning, it's basically everything in Aston Villa, Leicester and Arsenal. Who'd have thought it? Um, yeah. Uh, Aston Villa, fair enough, they've only played three instead of the four, but Aston Villa and Everton, 100% records. Um, Leicester was certainly the, the surprise, well one, well, one of many, many surprises over the weekend, losing at home 3-0 to West Ham, but they'll be there and thereabouts yeah. if Farley can keep it up. But um, So yeah, like if Everton can beat Liverpool or get a result at Liverpool after the international break, you're going to be thinking, ooh, let's see what they can do here. Yeah, very true. And like, there's a there's a one club, and you you mentioned them, Arsenal. They're kind of prodding along very nicely at the moment. Now they probably have struggled in a few of their games, but like, unlike United and Liverpool, and probably Leicester and Man City as well, they're actually winning the games they're playing at the moment. They might not be playing particularly well, but they're still winning. So, I think maybe. Regarding consistency, you you probably you predicted at the start of the season that Arsenal might do something. They might be starting to prove you right. Look, let let's see how Arsenal get on now the next couple of games as well. Kind of, if, uh, I think it's Man City away and then they've Leicester at home after the break there. So so this will be the make or break of Arsenal. So I, I think they they might have united then as well after that. So they have a couple of tough games coming up over the next couple of weeks. Um, so that will tell a lot. Look, I suppose of yeah. the top teams, Arsenal looked they lost to Liverpool, but they've had three fairly handy games. Um, after that, kind of, what was the 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 go win against Sheffield United? Um, I think they played with Fulham then as well since the, we've we've come back. Yeah. Um, and some of us, so they haven't really been tested yet. But look, Arsenal just be happy that they, they've 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 got the three wins um so far, um which is good for Arsenal yeah. kind of start off the season well. Absolutely, and like they definitely started the season a lot better than Manchester United. Like I know the United had the man sent off yesterday, um, but like to lose six one at home to Spurs, and then 
like I, I had planned to come on this morning and absolutely blow another gasket again about United and we'll we'll speak about Solskjaer in a minute, but like be honest, the Liverpool match after it, I don't know, did it it didn't soften me, but it kind of maybe put me into a sense of perspective that maybe it was just one of those days where United just had a really bad day. Like United are not a six one worse team than than Spurs. Is the next two weeks now key for Solskjaer? Like they they've Newcastle away next, they're away to Newcastle next. Is that game now just a must win game or has Solskjaer run out of time? No, look, I, I think just uh, and look, apologies for the absolute crap you are saying there, kind of just saying that oh you're feeling bad about United, but then Liverpool go and lose worse. Like this is what's gonna keep Ole in the job. Like United board have to look at this and say they need to get rid of him fast. Like it's not good enough for United to be thrown six one at home and then go. Actually, no, I wasn't too bad because Liverpool got thrown even worse on a team that's even worse. Like you know, like you mentioned there, Martial getting sent off, and that's not an excuse for losing six one. Certainly not. Like if Harry Maguire got sent off, he lost six one. You say okay, maybe maybe that's why. But then again, actually, if Harry Maguire got sent off, it wouldn't have been as bad for United. Um, I just think United have to get out of this mind frame of oh we need Jordan Sancho or like Cavani coming in at 33 years of age you're thinking what's going on like United need to clear yeah. out the back four like Luke Shaw like that hatchet job almost towards the end of it where he cleaned out I can't remember which one of the top players but he should have got sent off for it that just goes to show United like forget about running or just no no effort what I'll do is I'll just hack the man down I don't care about the consequences and it's time now for United really to have a look at the squad, get rid of the back four, get rid of Pogba because he's an absolute waste of space and get rid of Ole as well because unless they get rid of Ole, they're not going to invest in the team to get a proper back four put in there. Well, I, I, I just want to kind of take it to task on one thing there, Kevin, you're talking about the back four. And like Lindelof has, has gotten a lot of criticism over the last four or five weeks. But... Like, did we not see yesterday that it was? It's actually Harry Maguire is the weak link in the, in that defense. Like they they spent eighty million on him. They bought him from Leicester, um, for eighty million. And what has he done to justify that price tag? Like you and I are both old enough to remember Rio Ferdinand going to United for thirty million pounds back in two thousand and two, when everyone saying that time, oh, thirty million pounds is a disgraceful fee for the defender. But Rio Ferdinand backed it up, and he. He'd had a very good career before that at West Ham and Leeds, but like Harry Maguire was is he is he just a spoofer? But like whatever about Harry Maguire and you're talking about getting rid of Solskjaer, but like I don't know what the story is with Solskjaer at the moment and, and United and the United board. Like they haven't given them the money to buy new defenders. They're they are they are going pretty much after these gimmicks Sancho and like that's never going to happen Sky Sports News has just been keeping that story alive for the last two weeks to keep people listening to or watching Sky Sports News and now we see that absolute rubbish with Cavani like that that like if they were going to buy Cavani they should have bought Cavani five years ago but like they they, they haven't given Solskjaer the money this season to, to sort out the back four like as you said Luke Shaw is a weakling he's lazy he's overweight and it's hard to believe he's a professional footballer at that level. They 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 are ver- in very clear need of at least one centre back, but they haven't given Solskjaer the money. So, is it the case that they don't trust Solskjaer with the money? And if it is the case that they don't trust Solskjaer with the money, they need to sack him now. 
No, so look, look, look we, we've said it here a couple of times in the last couple of weeks. They, they, they just, it just seems as if they don't trust him. Like, United's marquee signing this summer will be Cavani, and they're getting him on a free, and again, he's 34 years of age next birthday. You think, oh, 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 what yeah. are they doing? Like, Harry Maguire, you mentioned the price tag there, and it's just what's wrong with the game over across the water in England. It's like the likes of Sky Sports News and whatnot, or oh, an English central defender, let's big him up, on the best defenders in the world, blah, blah, blah. Then they'll get 50, 60, 70 million from Then you go and see, um, yesterday, he made an absolute... Balls of the first goal that United conceded. It's like we we come on and we we absolutely tear into the head. We do, but like you know, he wasn't at fault for the first goal. It was Maguire. Then the second goal, um, Spurs got Maguire again. Sloppy challenge on Harry Kane, and then he, like just lazy, total and utter laziness. Doesn't get back up off his backside, and Kane just up and ball into Sun. Um, and then like how many times is the ball put in to, to a Tottenham player? And just the United players, they just aren't at the pace to catch a player like Son. Um, it's just, it's incredible. Like, just the whole back four of Wambasaka, total useless. Luke Shaw, total useless. And Maguire and uh, a boy who else was in the, the central defence uh, yesterday. Just, yeah. It's just a total shambles at Old Trafford. Look, it's, fa- it's fascinating and fantastic for a Leeds fan to be watching it. But United fans, like, they must be up in arms this morning, like. Yeah, absolutely. And like when you look at the alternative out there to Solskjaer, like Solskjaer's contract runs until the till the end of the season in twenty twenty two. Like they, what they did with Mourinho and they did the same with David Moyes, they let the season get so bad that they had no choice but to sack the manager and the season was almost unsalvageable at that stage. But you look at the alternative out there now to, to Solskjaer, it's Pochettino. And Pochettino's without a job at the moment. If he's available, they should be talking, they should be getting on the phone to his agent tonight and saying, Poch, come on, are you free? And if, if they could do a deal with him, they'd have him in place by, by Tuesday morning. And that, that's what Spurs did when they brought in Mourinho and they actually got rid of Pochettino. And like, it's clear, as you, you've been saying for the last couple of weeks, and I, I might have had my head in the sand a small bit about Solskjaer because, like, obviously being a United fan, I'm 31 years of age, I have great memories of Solskjaer doing great things for United, but, like, this is not a business that has to be driven by emotions and sentiment. Like, we have to live in the here and now, and, like, in the here and now, United are just not good enough. Like, their only win so far this season in the league came in a game where they got a penalty after the final whistle had went so, like, their whole season so far has been an absolute shit show. And I apologise for the language, but that's what it's been. It's been a complete shambles. So, if they don't trust Ollie with the money, fine. Don't trust him with the money. But sack him now. It's probably too late in the day in the transfer window to sign the, the, the required number of defenders and, and wingers that they need. But if they get Pochettino in place now, if Pochettino at least get some bit of improvement from the team before Christmas, trust him with the money in January, buy the necessary players, and hopefully then at the end of the season we, we get in the top four or somewhere close to it. But like I, I just my fear is is that United are just an impulsive club over the last couple of years. They sacked Mourinho quite suddenly, really. There was not they like the United fans had turned on him a small bit, but it was a quite sudden sacking. They sacked 
David Moyes, when it became clear, when it was actually confirmed that they couldn't qualify for the Champions League, and the way they sacked Van Hal was nothing short of disgraceful. They, they could have done it months beforehand, but they waited and waited until Mourinho's agent leaked it the morning of a cup final. So now I think is there, they, they finally have the chance now to get a managerial transition right. The man is out there, Potch is out there, he's, he's free, he's available. I'm sure if United went after him, they'd have to pay, but they, he would come to United. Now is the chance to do it early enough in the season to rescue it and to get the ship back on course. But I don't have confidence that Ed Woodward's going to do that. I don't have confidence. I think they're going to wait until they don't qualify for the Champions League again. They might then be able to sack Oli on a cheaper compensation agreement because they didn't qualify for the Champions League. And then they'll go through the whole rigmarole again. Potch mightn't even be available at that stage. United are actually worse now than where Liverpool were in the 1990s. At least in the 1990s, Liverpool, by and large, stuck by their managers. They sacked Graham Souness. They brought in Roy Evans. He was there for three or four years. They brought in Julia as a joint manager, and he stayed for four or five years and really gave the club a solid foundation. But United, they, they've no strategy. They've no strategy. So you're talking about sacking Solskjaer. They, they, they should sack Solskjaer if they have an alternative and if they back the new manager. But I think they'll, they'll go half-arsed with it again. They'll sack Solskjaer when it's too late and then we'll repeat the, repeat the cycle with a different manager. Look, I think like, I did two weeks now with the international break to, to find someone. What happens is that you find someone, look, when they, they, like, there's no game there, they can come in, they can see what the club is like. They have a week and a half, two weeks to get settled, to see who they want, see who they don't want um, and just find their feet. So they aren't being dropped in maybe a day or two before a game. Like it's it's not going to get easier for United. It's kind of like if they were to change the manager now, he'd come in. Um, first game is against Newcastle. Now Newcastle isn't exactly the easiest game away, but um, at least it could be a softer one. Because then after that, for United, they've Chelsea, they've Arsenal, they've Everton, and then they've PSG and um, Leipzig yeah. in the Champions League, um, along with Istanbul, all within probably a three-week period. So if they stick with Solskjaer. I honestly cannot see Solskjaer with the club come the, come the next international break in November because um, I don't see Man United putting together too many results in those six games. Yeah, and like even looking at it, I was looking at it um, here um, before I came on the show this morning and like Solskjaer now was 2-1 to one favourite to be the next manager in the Premier League to be sacked. And like we a couple of weeks ago, or was even last week, even we were talking that Scott Parker might be the next man to go, and that Fulham had a night had a nightmare start to the season, and like Fulham lost again at the weekend. But that six one defeat for United seems to have been the last straw for a lot of people because it wasn't as if the team that United put out against Spurs yesterday was a weak team. Like, they had Mason Greenwood in there. He's only a young fella. I, I wouldn't blame him. But, like, they had Rashford playing. They had Pogba playing. They had Matic playing. They had Juan Pesaka. They had Harry Maguire. They had their world-class, super-duper goalkeeper, De Gea. They had Luke Shaw. It, it's not as if they, they played a lot of young fellas. They played the first team. So, like, if, if the United board are thinking... Solskjaer must improve at what he has and I think certainly Solskjaer needs to take some responsibility it's not all the United's board's fault 
But if the United board don't have confidence in him to spend the money, boot him out. Get rid of him now. Absolutely get rid of him now. Get Pochettino. Give him the money. Now, I know United have spent a lot of money over the last couple of years, but they've spent a lot of money on crap. They have. they spent it on crap. Um, now, give, give Pochettino money. He, he's shown what he can do at Spurs with no money. So I think if, I think it, he would actually be, come to if they brought him in, but he needs to have a say in transfers as well. And I'm not so sure that Ali has a strong enough say in transfers in either. And I think he's almost walked into this situation himself. When he came in from FC Molde, he got the job on the caretaker role. And then he they went on a good run of form and he got the job permanently. But I'm not so sure that his bargaining power at that stage was quite high. He should have been saying to Ed Woodward at that stage, OK, I'll take the job full time. But you need to back me in the transfer market. And if I want, if I decide that I need to clear out the defence and bring in five new defenders, then you need to back me. And I think a, a manager of Pochettino's stature, if he is going to go to United and they do sack Solskjaer and bring in Pochettino, he'll be a lot stronger in his negotiating with the club. And I think if they're going to do it, they need to do it now. They really do. They need to do it now because drawing this out over the next two weeks and listening to the United supporters um, criticising the club and turning against the board, it's not going to be pretty. If they do it now, they'll get short-term criticism. If they bring in Pochettino, make a fresh yeah, start. I think certainly probably one of the worst things that could have happened United was uh, qualifying for the Champions League um, during lockdown. Because what happened basically is that the board could basically look at Solskjaer and say, well, look, you have the team there that can go and qualify for Champions League. No reason why you can't do it. So maybe the board are to blame because they, they can't expect United to move move on or move up like you know, unless they spend money. But then again, if you have the team that can go and qualify for Champions League last year, why are they losing to six to Spurs 6-1 at home? It just... That's what I'm saying. Look, it, it, look I agree with you. A change is needed at the top. Because what's actually going to happen with United is that a lot of the stars are going to go. Like you, like, you look at Marcus Rashford up, up front yesterday and you're thinking... This boy should be winning leagues. Like, like he's yeah. not, he's only twenty two, twenty three years age, and he is what forty caps with England. Um, he's got almost fifty goals in the Premier League. Like, and he's a real, real talent. And he's got what a a league cup and a, an FA Cup medal in his back pocket. And that's it. Um, and we're talking about one of the best strikers England will ever have. Yeah, that's a very, very good point. And like, he did post the message on social media yesterday or last night. Um, apologising to the United supporters and I, I actually want to read it out and this is what he says and you can, I think you can feel the, the kind of sense of heartbreak in him he said first and foremost I'm a United fan this is my club I'm so proud to wear the shirt but there are no excuses it's just not good enough and to every single fan around the world that tuned in today I'm just so sorry you deserve so much better than that I would have stayed away from social media tonight, but you deserve to hear from me during the highs and the lows. There is no hiding. I feel horrible, but I promise you we will do better. And I, I think you can get the sense in his, in his words there. And like I think he is a United fan that just how much it means to him and that he's sorry to have let people down. But like I don't think it's fair that Marcus Rashford has to be the one to post that on, on Twitter. I think you're right. Pogba, he, he's just like... He my I what little hair I've left you could tear out watching Pogba. He can either be very good or very bad, but he just does not seem to care about anybody but Paul Pogba. Um and I think 
like Solskjaer is not going to resign because obviously getting sacked is a bit more lucrative for him. But I think I don't know. I like the players have to take a certain level of responsibility, but so does really. the manager. Like, so like you look at like I, how much do they they spend on Pogba again? Four hundred million euros, and like just this this slap is the penalty like to give away. Uh, again, yesterday, and you're thinking like this man's meant to be world class. Like now, fair enough. You feel sorry for United. Martial shouldn't have been sent off on his own. Like Eric Lamella should have gone with him, or else it was a yellow card each or whatever or that's caught cop on. So yes, yeah. you kind of say, look, they shouldn't have been down to ten men versus eleven. It should have been ten each. But then again, look, as I said earlier, it wasn't Harry Maguire that got sent off. Like there's no reason that they should have conceded six goals yesterday. Just absolute shambolic. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. But look, it, it remains to be seen what happens over the next couple of days. I think watch this space. It uh, would be the the advice that we would have, I suppose. Um, but like speaking of shambolic, like <laughs> Klopp seems to kind of, and we just talk about Liverpool now. Like Klopp, I don't know what's after happening with him over the last couple of weeks. Like he had that quite frankly pathetic exchange with Roy Keane on Sky Sports a couple of days ago. Was it last week or whatever it was? He missed, He heard the back end of a conversation that Roy Keane was having or that the lads were having in studio. And he went, not ballistic, but he, he kind of went off on a rant that was akin to Rafa Benitez with his fax sheet and Kevin Keegan was, I would love it if we beat them. Like, has Klopp kind of believed all this hype now about him and oh, about how great Liverpool are as a club and like obviously they're losing 7-2 away to Aston Villa is a freak result but like they've conceded the same amount of goals this season as Man United like we're talking about United being in a, a state of disarray but like the fact that Liverpool probably score more than United might be hiding it but like are Liverpool starting to believe the hype now and Klopp starting to believe yeah, the hype? Yeah, I think probably what happened with Klopp and Keane was that I, I think a lot of people have it out for Keane in, in, in England at the moment just because everyone is kind of on Keane's hit list. So I think Klopp kind of thought, OK, here we go. I can stand up now for the other side of the game and obviously just took his chance. He heard one word and off he went. Um, but look, I think when you, when, you, when you win the league and when you win it so convincingly like Liverpool did last year, and then you can see others around you falling apart. Of course, kind of Liverpool are getting ahead of themselves. It was always going to happen. I think what's interesting, and look, not to make excuses for Liverpool, but certainly what's going on in that club this week with, like, is it Thiago and Mane getting the coronavirus? So he's wondering are the players actually training properly. Um, like, Adrian went mm. in goal yesterday when, like, it wouldn't be great to see Queen Keller putting goal and said like no he he'd probably do a better job. So I think just they were all over the place. You, you you just wonder kind of what was their preparation like. And look, we said it after the Leeds game, kind of they're they're two they're two full backs, they're two attacking, they 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 they're more attackers than they are defenders, and maybe they should look at the two cornerbacks and then just their two centre halves. Van Dijk yesterday he just he won like he was just asleep. Too many mistakes and Joe Gomez I don't think he's up to the either with Van Dijk. So it's just another team that you're looking at defence and you're going, it's just too poor. In the Premier League, they're, they're going to get cut out and they did get cut out. Like you look at Ollie Watkins, fair enough, he has £28 million. People think, ooh, that's a lot of money for a championship striker and can someone make the step up from the championship? Now we're seeing Leeds are, but like Ollie Watkins came in, scored his first goal in the Premier League, turns out to be a hat-trick against the champions. That, that doesn't happen. It, it shouldn't happen. 
and it's yeah. all down to just really poor defending. Um, defenders who just don't defend, like they just have their eye on attacking. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. And like I, I saw if it if I didn't actually see the Liverpool match myself, so like I'm not going to pass too much comment on it. But like I saw a photo on Twitter last night of the Liverpool defensive line at one stage, and it it was just, it was in the second half because I saw the I saw the goals on on RT News last night, and I knew from this photo that it was at the goal that Liverpool were attacking or defending in the second half, but like. They were losing. What was it? Four one and a half time, and their defensive line at one stage in the second half, like their back four were probably halfway between the D and the 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 centre field line. Like they were pushed far too far up the pitch for a team that were losing four one or five one or whatever it was at that stage. Like it come surely it comes a stage in the game, and like United should have learned the same lesson yesterday as well. That like if you're losing six one or six two, that you just think right, look, we can try and attack all we want here. We might score one or two goals, but we're not going to pull back a four goal deficit or a five goal deficit. That you just sit back and sit in for the rest of the game and take your beating and move on. Like does it not show a lack of discipline among the Liverpool players and indeed Klopp himself that? They just decided, fuck it. We'll, well, we well, yeah, certainly. Um, like, I don't know whether he's first or he's second, but like Jack Grealish would have been offside if he was in the Liverpool half. Um, but that just goes to show how far Liverpool were, were up the field um, when Grealish was sent through. And as, as I say, he was in his own half, so he wasn't offside. So that's how far up the last Liverpool player was. There was just no one back. Um, and just total recklessness. I get what you mean, kind of damage limitation. Like when it goes to... Four one and a half time, five one after the break. Yes, they got back to five two, but they were never going to get anywhere. And it's like, yeah, like they should have came away with damage limitation left to the five two. Instead, they're embarrassed now with seven two. Like this is a team who stayed yeah, up last year, but look, and the last game of the season against the champions. It is, it is, and they were very lucky to stay up. And like you look at Aston Villa now, and. Like it's still very, very early in the season, but are the similarities there now between themselves and Leicester back in twenty sixteen when, like, when they completed the great escape under Nigel Pearson and then went on to win the league the following year? Now I don't think Aston Villa are going to win the league, but like we kind of seen a a reversal of fortunes so far this season. Like looking at the table this morning, Manchester United. No, I know there's only three or four games gone. Manchester United are sixteenth. Manchester City are fourteenth. Sheffield United are nineteenth. These are three teams that all finished in the top six last year, and the top three are Everton, Aston Villa, and Leicester. Yeah, look, what certainly is going Aston on? Villa will prove is a tough side to play against. Um, but like they, they'll they'll finish mid table. They they won't have the the relegation battles they, that they've usually had. Um, simply because I just don't think they have the strength and depth in their squad. Yes, like they've kind of. Strengthened fantastically with um, Ollie Watkins. Like Ross Barkley coming in alone was a was a great deal. And look, as much as we hate to see it, like you know, Jack Grealish really is um, coming into the player that we were told he would be. Um, so certainly perfect. But it, it, it's all about everything at the moment. Everything are our Leicester City of 2015, 2016. Um, like Dominic Calvert-Lewis again, like you know, on Saturday popping his head up to score, and it's just Rodriguez. Um, and Ancelotti did the perfect thing. Even though Rodriguez was on a hat trick at the weekend, he whipped him off um, because this is your 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 prized possession. Like, you know, keep this man in cotton wool, like, you know, uh, as you can, and he's remarkable. 
Absolutely, no doubt about it. And like Everton do deserve great credit. Like they're on a superb run of form and look, if if they can keep it going, great for them. It's probably like if you're an Everton supporter right now, you probably have been mixed feelings in that like your team was going very well, but like obviously you can't get to the look, to I, the ground to the see ones, it. One but look, to, well, I'm sure about you know he's in their transfer dealings today now, kind of um as we go to deadline day and Sky Sports News is favourite day of the year. But I'm looking at everything. Will they get a goalkeeper in? I know now we mentioned a couple of Harden Pickford again, an absolute howler on Saturday. You're thinking, what are you playing at? And there was almost a second one as well. Um yeah. and that could be the only weak link in the Everton size um this year. But there is talks of them signing Sergio Romero from from United. So like I, I saw a few United supporters on Twitter saying, Don't go, don't leave him go to Everton because like again as you said they might be the weak link in their in the goalkeeper and like Romero might prove to be another Tim Howard an absolute just kind of rock solid goalkeeper at Everton so even even if they get the someone of link. some caliber that will put the the shits up Jordan Pickford say look come on now it's time you cop on and play like we're we're challenging yeah. for the title here either you want to get on board and cut out the mistakes or else take a hike you know yeah, absolutely. So, like, we, 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 I think we leave it there with regards to the Premier League. It was like it was a Premier League weekend, unlike anything that I've ever seen. Um, it was just extraordinary, absolutely extraordinary. And I, I like you now we're coming into the international break, and we've Ireland to bore us really. And I don't really say that with any sense of kind of satisfaction, but. Like Ireland can be a difficult team to watch, but there is just one thing I want to ask you about, and I, I I didn't see the game myself, and I'm not sure if you have, but I think Cork City Football Club are in serious serious trouble now at the moment. They lost again at the weekend, um, like we spoke a couple of weeks ago. I'm not sure did we speak on the podcast or off the podcast about them kind of getting into the relegation playoff at best, but. It's hard to see them staying uh, yeah, up like, you know, at this stage. I've seen the highlights and look, there was there was an unlucky own goal from Alan Bennett and then kind of they conceded um, fairly straight away after that. But I, I do fear for Cork City kind of they, like, the, the games are running out. Um, I think there's only five more they've left to play. And like Finn Harps picked up points against Dundalk then last night as well. Just So there's a, a two-point gap there now. But um, yeah. certainly Premier Division football in... in and Lee side is really threatened this year. As I say, look, without the cash, uh, which is what Cork City always needed, and we're almost always guaranteed with the crowds, without the crowds coming in, um, just the quality of player isn't there, and they're really yeah. being left behind in the League of Ireland. They are, they're really being left behind, and uh, it is war- like very worrying both, times for soccer um, in Lee side. Midweek now, uh, or is it on, on Friday night maybe? And uh, like, like, like that's going to be a tough game. Like, like Bowes are kind yeah. of second in the league at the moment. Now, Shamrock Rovers have probably run away with it, but um, sort of like things aren't going to get any easier for um for Cork City and Neil Finn. Yeah, yeah, they're probably not going to get any easier. But look, hopefully they can pull a miracle out of somewhere. But time is definitely running out on that front. So we we'll we're almost finished for uh, this morning's show. But I just want to go through some of the results. 
um, from the local GA action in Cork. Now, I will be doing another episode of the Shandun Corner um, this week, but I just wanted to go through some of the, the results this morning. Um, it was a quite extraordinary weekend, really, in, in the Cork County Championships of both hurling and football. Like yesterday, we had a mammoth day with nearly six or seven hours in a row um, of just games and I'll be honest I didn't leave the house once yesterday just sat down watching games for the whole day I was probably feeling a small bit down about Saturday unfortunately my own club Brian Dillon's we lost in the County Junior Hurling Championship um, quarter final against Drum Tariff I have to say Drum Tariff were very very good um, it was one of those days whereby even if we had turned up with our best our best performance, we'd have still found it very difficult to win. So, unfortunately, that's Brian Dillon's out of the championship this year. Um, but like in the in the senior football championship, the senior A football championship, the Bars had a very mixed week. They beat Newcastle on Wednesday, um, and then they had to play yesterday again, um, against Castlehaven. And it was just an extraordinary game of football that went to penalties in the end and Castlehaven won out. Now, they're down to play the county football final against Nemo, who beat Duhallo in the other semi-final at the weekend. But I think there's going to be a doubt about whether that game is going to go ahead now. Neffet are after recommending that um, the country moves to level five in the restrictions. And just before... I go on to the hurling at the week uh, that happened at the weekend in the senior hurling. Does that recommendation to go to level five, Kevin, give a bit more, how do I put it, attention and focus on your doubts about whether the intercounty um, game look, will even go ahead this year? Or not kind of judge or kind of like, speculate on what's going to happen. Um, but certainly if we go to level five, and I think they're talking four weeks minimum at the moment, um, you, you'd be worried about the championship, intercounty championships going ahead before Christmas. Uh, like I'm looking like just like in Kerry there now, I'm certain like even, even in Carcassonne, like there's still a lot of kind of junior and intermediate championships that are still kind of hit the semi-final or final mark. So there's still a lot of games to be played. And look, county players, intercounty players don't just play senior football. Kind of There is a lot of junior and intermediate clubs with county players as well. Um, and we want to get these over the line. You, you don't want to get a competition yeah. up to semi-final stage and then have to cut it off because we want to go with the inter-county. Um, so, look, yeah, I I think if we go into level five for a longer period than four weeks, you won't see an inter-county championship before Christmas. Yeah, that that's very possible. And look, as you said, we, we're not going to speculate on what's going to happen, but it's it's a distinct possibility at this stage. Um, so I'll just... I'll wrap it up by talking about the hurling at the weekend. There was um the car there was a few county finals on in the hurling at the weekend. So we had the Premier Intermediate um hurling final. Um I just want to check out when that was. I think that was on Saturday. It was it was Castle Lions and Blarney. Blarney won that one comfortably. He had a very strong wind in the first half. Um and they they saw it out till the end. So, and there was an excellent performance there from Cox Senior Hurler, Mark Coleman. So they're up into the Senior A ranks next year. Um, in the Senior A, in the the County Senior A Hurling Final, um, Charleville had a very good win over Father O'Neill's in that one. Again, that was... <laughs> it, they, they built up a lead in the second half, Charleville did. They were four points up with about two minutes to go. Um, and Father O'Neill's got a last-minute goal. But unfortunately... 
time ran out for them. So Charleville won by one twenty three to four thirteen, um, a one point victory there for Charleville. So they're up back into the top tier of senior hurling. Um, so they're in Premier Senior next year. It, it's for both clubs. It's really been an extraordinary run that they've been on. Like Charleville were junior hurling up until twenty twelve when they got all the way to the All Ireland final. Um, in twenty twelve, and they're back up now for the second time in the top tier of of Cork hurling, which is a really great achievement. Um, and it's probably hopefully going to be mirrored by Knocknagree. They're go- they're in the Premier or Premier Intermediate football final, but like we probably saw, and I'm not sure. Did you see some of the highlights for Kevin? Maybe you saw the end of it. I think you said yesterday. Probably one of the best Cork Premier Senior Hurling Championship finals that's been played in a very very long time. Like I, we ran a, a Twitter poll during the week to see who was going to win the game, and like. I think it was about 70% of the people who responded to the poll uh, predicted that the Glen would win it. But to be fair to the Rockies, they, they really did come up with a very good win. And like, they've no, I, I was listening to Fergal Ryan, who's the Black Rock manager yesterday. He was speaking, um, was it, I'm not sure, was it before or after the game? They have no superstars on their team. Like, they have Michael O'Halloran, he's on the extended Cork panel, but he's not one of the main Cork players. But like, the Glen have Stephen McDonald, they have Dean Brosnan who played with Cork, they have Robert Downey, they have Patrick Corgan, they have Simon Kenefick who played under 20 and, and minor hurling for Cork, and yet, the, and yet the Rockies were able to come through victorious for their first title in 18 years. It was an absolutely outstanding game of hurling. Um, everyone was talking during the week that they were hoping the referee would leave the game flow, but I think he left it flow a bit too much. There was nearly an assault at one stage in the first half of one of the Black Rock forwards and he let the, the play go on. But I just think that like looking at it, of all the years that the Cork County Championship really has been really competitive and we had a really good final and like I think if Black Rock had gone out to the Munster Championship they would have been very competitive. But unfortunately it's, it's probably not just, just not going to happen now. But it was a really, really good championship in Cork this year, and I think all the clubs are, have to be given great credit. The standard was very high, but Kevin, I suppose I'm, I'm not sure if you saw the game, but like, what are we going to do over the next three or four months now? Like, we're coming to the end of the games. We we could have the possibility that there's going to be yeah, no look, I, 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 I saw some pieces of it yesterday. It's kind of flicking between um, TJ Carr for the Glen and Blackrock and the United and Spurs game. So. You're thinking what was what was more what what game had more going on in it and it was just incredible kind of both games. Um, yeah. Look, look, just pick up on the point kind of Black Rock kind of with no one to county players and look, it's it just goes to show that if you have a tight bunch of lads that kind of any given Sunday they can on their day um they can be world beaters and so. Then maybe kind of was it a bit of a handicap that the Glen kind of got a buy into the semi finals because Black Rock would have been tested by Douglas and then um. Again against UCC in the same final, so look, I don't know. Was there a bit of rustiness on the Glen? Um, but yeah. trust me, look, over the next couple of weeks or a couple of months, again, let's not speculate in, in terms of what level we're going to go into. Um, but please God, there'll be plenty of sports on the television with Premier League, um, and all other different types of sports. I know we'll do a kind of a special. Um, during the week or next weekend, just in terms of what we've already missed this year and what sports and what sporting events. Um, yeah. But sorry, look, I, I, I'm not going to get myself too down yet until we find out what actually happens. 
Absolutely. And as you touched on there, we are going to do something different over the next couple of weeks just to kind of um, what sporting events that we've missed. And like there are many that every a lot of people have missed. And it's something, this one thing I want to do as well on the 20th of October now, I, I probably go on about this man an awful lot. Um, he's a hero of mine sport-wise and politically, but we won't talk about the politics. Um, on the 20th of October, Jack Lynch is dead 21 years. So I want to do a, a special programme on the sporting achievements of Jack Lynch. Um, I, I might do that myself. But hopefully, I, I, I'll see if I can get anyone to come on um, who would be knowledgeable on it but it's something we're we're going to keep up over the next couple of months myself and Kevin doing this podcast because it could be a long winter hopefully we'll have the Premier League at least to keep us going and I think it's something that we've both enjoyed doing this over the last couple of weeks and hopefully you've enjoyed it too um, and I think it's good to have a distraction every week or even every couple of days during the week um, to have probably a break from all the bad news and all the news about, oh, are we going to go to this level or that level? Sport is a great distraction. And if we can't go to the games, then the next best thing is, look, we'll watch them on television or we'll, we'll reminisce about what great sporting events we we all enjoy and have missed and hopefully won't be too long seeing again soon. So, look, stay tuned. We, we will... We will bring something different over the next couple of weeks. Um, we probably have shorter, snappier pr- uh, programs um, where we just kind of we break it up into segments. And hopefully you'll be able to find something over the next couple of weeks um, that you are interested in. So we're going to leave it there for this morning. Um, I'd like to thank Kevin again for joining us. Um, it was good to have you on the show again, Kevin. And hopefully the international break will provide us with as much drama as the Premier I'm saying it here now, I think Ireland will get. beat Slovakia um, 2-1 uh, hopefully like that we'll, we'll get to kind of preview that more so uh, in the middle of the week but certainly a victory and then we'll see what happens next month in the final I'm probably going to go with Northern Ireland again as well against Bosnia Okay great stuff well we'll leave it there so and thanks very much for listening this morning and we'll talk to you again soon take care Thanks very much for listening to another episode of the Back of the Stand podcast. Uh, we'd be very much appreciative if you give us a follow on Twitter. We're at Back of the Stand 2. And also look us up on Facebook. You can just search the Back of the Stand. Um, and please also subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, on Google Podcasts, and on Spotify or whatever uh, podcast uh, platform you use. Um, we'd very much appreciate um, the support. Thanks very much, guys.